So we've got, we got a few questions, mate. Cool. Um, I think the best one to start with is Gareth put, uh, the one thing I'm clueless about, he really doesn't know what questions to ask. And I actually said, well, there's a question in it. So what is copywriting? Cool. So we just launch straight in with answering that? I'll tell you what, mate, before we get, let's cut that again, right? Before we jump into that, um, tell us a bit about yourself first. Let's do that. Cool. So my name is Mike Samuels, for those who don't know me. I started off in fitness probably, what was it, like 2008, I think, qualified to PT. Did the whole commercial gym for a year and a half. Did okay, but not great. Didn't really enjoy it. Went out and started doing freelance and did pretty well in that. I got fully booked within about six months and stayed like that, kind of completely burnt out, buzzing around everywhere, doing everything for everyone. Um, did it for about three years and just realized that, you know what, this isn't sustainable in any way whatsoever. So took my business online, enjoyed that. But actually what I enjoyed most was the sales and marketing side of things. So I didn't really know what copywriting was. I knew I enjoyed writing and I knew I enjoyed selling stuff, but selling it without being a typical salesy dick. So I just kind of naturally fell into that, really. And that was... I guess I started in that kind of two and a half years ago and it's just gone organically from there. So now I spend my time writing sales copy, probably 40% in fitness and 60% in um, business coaching and then random other stuff like fashion, real estate, um, security, spiritual coaching, you name it. I've probably done some sort of copy for it. So are you not involved in the fitness industry in any way? I know I know Carly's like is but worry about yourself. Are you in, in are you in it at all in any way, shape, or form, mate? Do you still have your membership sites and stuff like that? I still have um Healthy Living Heavy Lifting, which is my company I used to coach with. Um that's got passive income products that I probably spend is probably no more than three hours a month doing. So got an email list. Um uh, we do a couple of launches every year. But yeah, don't do any coaching myself, but the blog's updated, but it's mainly outsourced. So sure. um, it's, it's a nice thing just to run. It keeps my toe in the waters, but it's um, it's quite a low stress business these days. Very nice, mate. Very nice. So what we'll do, mate, we'll jump through the um, the questions. And so so did um, it's really funny, mate, the, the copywriting thing. Um, did Dan have an influence on that? Or was it something you always wanted to do? <laughs> I always enjoyed writing and I'd followed some other fitness writers, people like John Romanello, Nate Green, Tony Gentlecore. So I knew that writing was something that I wanted to do. Um, I'd already made some money doing it. I'd been a content writer for Livestrong.com for, I guess, about 18 months, two years or so, but didn't really know what copywriting was per se. I, I had an email list. I was putting some stuff on my website, starting to sell online programs and stuff. So I had an idea, but my first proper job doing it was through uh, Dan's agency. So I hired Dan to coach me. We did about three months of coaching, um, helping me build up my fitness business. And then after that, he basically said, you're actually pretty good at writing. Do you want to exchange coaching for you doing some writing for me? And then after that, it morphed into me writing most of his client stuff for him. Awesome. Awesome. So this, this was a, uh, one of the questions that 
Well, it wasn't really a question. Gareth said he didn't know anything about it. It's clueless about uh, writing. So if you had to describe what is copywriting, mate? So people, because he didn't know what question to ask. And I thought that was a good question, the fact that yeah. people know the word, but they don't know what the fuck it is. Yeah, for definite. It's one of those things, there's a lot of misconceptions about it. And people think it's all about scaring people into buying and being really, really pushy, which it's not at all. It's not even necessarily to do with having someone put their hand in their pocket and whip out their credit card to pay you. What what copywriting is, is the the full term for it is direct response copywriting. The idea being you're looking for a direct response. Yeah. Obviously, sometimes that is going to be people buying your programs, memberships, sessions, whatever you're selling. But a lot of the time, it's not. A lot of the time, the, the response you want is maybe opting into an email list. It's maybe leaving a comment, giving you some feedback. Yeah. It can even be to make someone feel something. So you can write a really compelling, emotive, persuasive email, all geared up to get someone to feel a certain way about something, um, to feel a certain way about you, to think about something for themselves. That's still copywriting, even though there's no monetary gain involved. So I look at it as persuasive writing designed to elicit some sort of response from people. Cool. So which, what would you prefer? Um, are you... Are you still a strong believer in email, um, or would you, or do you still think general? Because at the moment, obviously, the word content creation, content, content has exploded, particularly over the last twelve months. Everybody is now looking to create content, needs content, and it is. I think Facebook's platform uh, was leading that way in the beginning. They almost want to be like uh, an, a, a cellular version of uh, Google, so you go there for information, not just to see your neighbor's cat. So. Do, do you think, like, are you still a strong believer in getting people to a list and talking to them? Or do you think, you know, being concentrated purely on one social media platform is the way forward? What, what do you reckon? I think in terms of maybe not ROI, but certainly in terms of where people are have least resistance to buying something, I would say email is where it's at because there's a lot less noise with email. You know, Facebook is... They can be reading something and it can be super compelling, but then out of the corner of their eye, they see some sort of status update. They see you know, something else going on, a message pops up. So I really like Facebook and I think people can definitely sell through Facebook, build their business through it. As you said, if you've got engaging content that people like to read, that's massive for positioning and for just getting your name out there. It's good for driving people onto an email list. Yeah. But if I want to sell something, email is going to be the way to do it. Um, the other reason for that is because obviously with Facebook, more people see it depending on the engagement on it, you know, likes, shares, comments, whatever. Um, so if you just put out a sales link, it's really unlikely that's going to get any traction at all. Whereas yeah. with email, if you've got uh, some sort of curious or curiosity driving subject line or a really emotive subject line, you can have 30, 40, 50% of your email list see that and click on it and open it. Whereas with Facebook, you might only get 5% of people. So I do like Facebook. I use it a lot myself, but anytime I can do, I'll get people onto an email list. I think um, it's something I've talked about before myself, mate, about um, the list is king and uh, you know getting people from Facebook. Because I think people think because they – they have obviously more likes, more friends, whatever it is on Facebook. They think that's the easiest avenue. 
Um, and then when it don't work for them, they moan and complain about the Facebook, if Facebook's not working or my Facebook ad didn't work. And I always say to people, if you've got people that take an action, then there's nothing wrong with your actual Facebook. It'll be like your sales page, your copy, or whatever it is, or, or even your offer. But with the with email particularly, I think even if you've got 100 people on your list, you don't need to have a massive list. Them 100 people have chose to follow you over an agent. I mean, they've signed up for something. They haven't unsubscribed. They stick around. And I think, again, the thing that people, that you might agree or disagree, I think the thing with email is people tend to hit their email like when they've got something to sell and they don't do anything in between. So they wonder why they don't get that. And then they got email doesn't work either. Like, but if you if you were constantly, if you had a phone call from one person every week and all the time he ever wanted to do sell his shit, you eventually stop taking that guy's calls. Yeah, and I think there's that argument that there are some people who will sell in every email and do it really well, but they're still entertaining with their content and they're gearing people up to say, look, there is going to be a sales link in every email. They'll probably be upfront about that and they'll say that. That's just so that if you want to work with me or you want to invest in something, you can do. But yeah, as you said, they are, they're still putting out good stuff with it as well. And that's the key, whether you sell, you know, you just do launch sequences and then you have a, a whole period where you never sell something or you do like the, the daily email style with a, a link to buy something in a PS every single email. Yeah. Both can work really well, but it comes down to not necessarily content for content's sake, but are you giving them something that's they can either you know, make them laugh, uh, make them feel an emotion, educates them, entertains them. That's kind of what it comes down to at the end of the day. Cool. So, do you reckon? So, okay. Obviously, the biggest thing is back in the day, years and years and years ago, you could you could do email and get like you know forty, fifty, sixty percent open rates. Now you might get twenty five, thirty percent open rates if if it's good. Do you really think a compelling title again in your email is what's going to get you get the, the email open in the first place? And is that actually important? So my what I mean is like, so you've got an awesome line, people open it, but then they don't take any action anyway because the rest of your copy lets you down. So if you're going to use compelling, you've got to have good copy, right? Yeah, 100%. I think there's a, there's a few aspects to it. Certainly, you could get people to open email. I always... I don't think it's my example, I borrowed it from somewhere, but a headline that just said in massive letters, sex, would yeah. get loads and loads of people to read it. If all of a sudden, though, you admitted to them that I just used that headline to get you onto the page, or now I've got your attention, let me talk to you about something else, that's a really good way to piss people off really, really fast. So if you're going to use the, maybe not clickbaity style headlines, but headlines that, sorry, subject lines that are really curious, engaging, make people want to open it. There has to be that congruency there as well that goes, you know, people can logically see what you've done. Yeah, but that's definitely a, a subject lines are important. Having good copy or at least being able to convey your message is important. Yeah. Um, that would definitely help open rates. Maybe most people tend to stay in a certain range. I mean, for me, it's probably like 30 to 35%. If I have a really bad email subject line, it will be down at maybe 27. If I have an amazing one, it might be up at sort of 42, 43%. So you do tend to stay in a ballpark. One thing that I'm big with people doing is building that bond from the first email that a subscriber gets from them. So making sure that they, if possible, add you as a contact, 
they reply to you, they whitelist your email, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. That will always bump up your open rates in the future. And then obvious things as well, like don't put any words there that are super spammy, that are going to trigger spam filters um, and stuff like swearing as well. You know, usually I have no problem with people swearing. For email, if you've got obvious swear words in there, it's more likely that an inbox is going to treat you as spam or even just shift you to a promotions folder if it's Gmail or something. That's cool that you said that, actually, because I think that's quite important. I think people think that if they put swearing in, they, they think that spam is dependent on the on what you put as a title. I don't think they realize that a lot of uh, email providers now actually search the content, don't they? So, like you say, bad language or anything like that, it's more like it's Or even if it says, and this is where people go, oh, well, I didn't put lose weight in the title, but you've put lose weight in the, in the copy, so... Again, your email provider thinks this is spammy. They're going to be selling some pills and potions, and they they put you into into their junk box. So, but I think again, it's down to content. You've got to get your like anything. You've got to get your ad seen. You've got to get your email opened in the first place. But then you've got to have enticing copy to either whether that's for them to take an action to keep following you to look forward to the next email. Because I know you're very keen on leading people through sequences as well, though, Mike. Aren't you? So you know, look forward to it. Look look out for the next email where I'm going to tell you this, this, and this, and this. So you're encouraging a following. Yeah, people like excitement and people like theatre. That's why every single episode of EastEnders ends on a cliffhanger. They yeah. never completely resolve everything, because if they did, people wouldn't tune in for the next episode. They they resolve it, and then they come up with another dilemma, another situation, and it gets people really you know, driven to follow it along. Another cliffhanger. Next episode, same thing happens. So... I think people are too worried about making sure every single thing they send out, whether it's email, whether it's Facebook post, whatever, has some sort of resolution. And actually, it doesn't need to. People quite like being told, you know what, next time I'm going to reveal how you know, this client went from this point to this point and the, the weird way we got them there, that kind of stuff. That's pretty cliched, but building up excitement is always a good thing. I like that. I like that you've mentioned EastEnders. I can't believe you actually mentioned EastEnders, <laughs> but uh, EastEnders and, and other things like that. I think again, when you're writing copy and you're writing enticing titles, if you can relate it to, like, like you could say, "Did you see last night's episode of EastEnders?" Or what happened on EastEnders last night happened to me. Do you know what I mean? And that, and again, you're getting people. It's a story, isn't it? People are like, they want to know what, what happened to you. I watched EastEnders. Which part of EastEnders happened to you? And you can get people engaged. Um, and bring some humor into your emails and, and bringing humor into copy is quite kind of humanizes you so the sale thing doesn't seem like a punch in the face at the end yeah and there's several aspects of that in terms of it's kind of meeting people where they're at so if you know your audience into certain tv programs music films whatever that's a way that you can get potentially a topic that they they don't feel like they're initially interested in so like fitness if you had an email that was i don't know 10 ways to do the perfect burpee or something. Uh, people don't really care about that. But if you want to send an email about burpees and technique and stuff, and you lead into it with, I don't know, you can congruently link it in with an, uh, a film you've just seen or something in the media, it's that common ground that you can start on and then lead someone into your way of thinking and what you want them to read about. There's also the idea that it's kind of a a pattern disconnect you know they they see you as whatever niche you're in 
and they're surprised when they see you talking about something else as well. So yeah. it's again that curiosity. There's there's some stats as well that show that things like email subjects, subject lines or headlines that have movie quotes in or song titles in always get higher open rates. I mean, that's obviously not going to always happen across the board, but generally, um, I think it was a survey from 2017. I can't remember what site did it. Um, might have been like AppSumo or someone, but it was, um, yeah, the report stated that the most opened email subject lines had movie quotes or song titles in. Okay, so while we're on that subject of like uh, content and, and what we're putting in, so when you're writing copy, uh, when I say you, I mean when people are trying to write copy, there's there's different formats. You're writing copy for your Facebook, for your blog and stuff like that. But if we're talking about copy for blogs and websites, how important do you think it is that the person incorporates SEO and keywords into that, into that copy? I know some people might not know what they're doing with that, and they probably need to hire someone like yourself to help them with that, or do some course or learn about it. But it, you know, how relevant do you think it is? It depends on the person. For me, it's not something I consider because I I think that's where there's a difference between like web copy versus direct response copy. For me, for the projects that I work on people are almost always being directed to a website sales page from an email. So it's not not necessarily a, something we think about. But if people are factoring in SEO, the main thing is that the the keywords, key phrase, whatever, they the copy still sounds good with them. Um, so I'm not particularly au okay with the guidelines on exactly how to do it. But whatever you're doing, make sure that actually it's it's still getting across the message you want. It doesn't just sound random, yeah. all of that. I mean, my advice to most people, yeah, my advice to most people would be build that following so you don't need to worry as much about SEO, but I know for a lot of people it is still a concern. So, yeah, just as long yeah. as it makes sense, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I've got a question for you, mate. And it's, um, so I really need to work on copy for Facebook ads. Any suggestions about content, length, wording, calls to action, etc., to attract more clients? That would be great. So the big thing with Facebook, obviously, if it's kind of weight loss fitness, is they're horrible for their rules. So yeah. any bold claims have kind of got to go, any overly negative language, anything too direct. So the, the main thing is always just don't get your account shut down because <laughs> then you're – in a bit of a pickle, shall we say. Yeah. But the thing for me is it's always in copy, but especially on Facebook because it's so much more difficult to use claims and testimonials and results. Make sure that what you're doing is unique and you've got a unique hook there. That's why people who are doing things like, and this is not me kind of saying I'm a fan necessarily of any of these, but things like fasting, things like keto, things like certain styles of dieting, often their ads get more traction because they've got that weird hook. They don't need massively bold claims. They don't need huge amounts of social proof, topless photos, all of which Facebook isn't too big on. They've got that weirdness angle. So if you can have some weirdness and curiosity, get people to click on that, take them to a landing page for you know, whether it's opting to a list, webinar, straight to a sale, whatever, um, and then sell the benefits a bit more in there. But still keeping an idea on okay this has got to fit their guidelines 
but the um the unique mechanism or the hook that's going to be your big thing because you can't go to uh too gung-ho on the claims yeah yeah okay because that that kind of leads us into like i was going to ask you in a, in a little while about long copy over short copy but if it comes to a Facebook ad, I've seen them all. I, you know, I tend to keep mine to like maybe two, three paragraphs on a Facebook. Um, but I have seen people almost write like a fucking book that leads that, that leads into a, an, a, you know, and just for the ad, just for the information. Where I think actually, you know, you could have put that on a long copy form, like you know, to action it. Do, do you think really for Facebook particularly? Because at the end of the day, the whole idea of Facebook is to get them from your ad to your landing page or like you say to sign up for something or whatever you want them to take an action they don't necessarily need the whole you know the whole thing there they just you just need to entice them so is this where like again a little bit of clickbait works quite well as long as it's relevant to the page when they get there or uh, or do you think like laying it all out in the ad before they get to the page works what you know from, from your own experience mate what would you do I'd certainly agree that the the clickbait style is not a bad shout, provided it's still um, still relevant and you get to the point quickly once people have clicked through. Yeah. While I'm generally a fan of longer copy, certainly for a sales page, I think the actual Facebook ad itself, I would generally favour short. Just yeah. going back to the idea again, there's a lot of noise on Facebook. You have to be really, really, really certain that your copy is very hard hitting and emotive to get away with a long a long form post on Facebook. I mean, I'm happy to do stuff that's longer on Facebook. Um, you know, most of my posts are probably longer than average, but that's because I've had a lot of practice writing ones that have been absolutely shit before. So I kind of generally know how to do it, but I would still, for a Facebook ad, make it a bit shorter just because I think people's attention spans are short. And when yeah. they've got something going on here, something over here, you know, all of that, it's it can get to be a bit of a nightmare. And the frustrating thing is, you know, you can go, oh, I'll come back to that. And when you go back to your timeline, it's disappeared and you're trying to thumb through, trying to find an ad, you're probably never going to find it. And it's interesting you said about uh, your posts. I think the reason, like, if you've got your own, like you have, mate, you've got groups and you've got pages, people are there anyway, like your email, they're there, they want to hear from you, they want to hear what you have to say. So they're more likely to, to read that long, engaging post but with your ad, I think it's just to the point, get their attention and get them to take action, whatever that action is. And then your landing page would be the one that where if long copy is going to be the way you're going to entice them in. But if you're, again, if you only want somebody to join your mailing list, you don't need four pages of copy wise unless you join your mailing list. No. And there's the idea as well, whenever you do anything, but this is even more crucial with Facebook as well. People are always thinking, what's in it for me? So there's no point in you putting, you know, I'm this great, amazing trainer who's done this and that and the other and got these qualifications. People on Facebook, if they're going to click something, they want it to be a benefit to them as well. So if you can show them the benefits, show them something unique, and as you say, you can keep stuff pretty short as long as it's compelling, then happy days. Cool. All right, so... Um, okay, writing style, your own voice. So, you know, so do you want to write in your own voice or do you want to kind of like sound, you know, different? There's two sides to this. I would certainly say what I, the way I describe it is think of yourself, but a tiny bit amped up. Like if you had all the confidence in the world, yeah, how would you speak to people? 
that's the way you should write. So when people say you should write like you speak, that's kind of true. But most of us take slightly longer gaps when we're saying stuff. We say the odd um, we say uh, typically I say like a fair amount. So that kind of stuff definitely has no place in your copy whatsoever. But yeah. one thing that I borrowed from, I think it's Tim Ferriss, he said that for his blogs, he writes as if he's talking to a friend at a bar and he's had two drinks. And I think that's not a bad way to go about copy as well, just because it's it's relaxed, it's free-flowing. Yeah. It's like you're talking to a friend and 95% of the time, that's what you want. You want it to be kind of on the same level as people there's exceptions but that's you know that's for other niches maybe kind of like finance business investment stuff for most niches talking as if you talk to a friend is the best way to do it and just like you've got a, you know your tongue's been slightly loosened so you're happy to use a bit more varied language um to break up your sentence structure a bit yeah. so think about it don't just you know when people say right like you speak don't just type away at the keys and hit publish or hit finish, whatever, go back through and edit it, but keep it true to you. If you feel like a complete dick saying something in real life, don't put it in your copy. I've seen that many times. So uh, okay, so uh, another question, and this one, you can go in as deep, uh, as much detail on this as you want, mate, really, because it's, it's a bit of a, basically, Okay, copy for a sales page or squeeze page. Any tips for getting higher conversions? So that's the actual land. Once they get on the landing page, squeeze page, what you know? Any tips to try and get that person to take action? Um, if we're talking again, something like Facebook ad to a landing page, I like lots of bullet points touching on a variety of different aspects. So you have some that are more curiosity driven. So that's like that thing we said earlier, you know, discover the weird way that you know, uh, Dave got from this point to this point. Um, you know, this, uh, learn the the worst way or I don't know, learn why doing this is the worst way to get whatever result. That kind of thing just incites yeah. some curiosity. But touching on lots of different aspects. So talking about what not to do, what to do, um, just with bullet points, you can have a list of 20, and if just one bullet point speaks to someone, that'll be enough for them to opt into a list, to grab a free download, to apply for more info, free session, whatever we're talking about. So if in doubt, you know, bullet points, you don't need to be a master wordsmith to write a good list of bullet points. It's quite an easy way to do it. Yeah. Um, that alone would be nice and simple to do, would increase the conversions. Yeah, and also a, I think. Sorry, mate. It's a great way of answering like any of them like uh, objections they might have. Like, so no, you don't yeah. have to turn up every night. You don't have to eat broccoli, and you know, I mean, kind of bullet point type of things. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And that was the exact thing I was going to say as well. Actually, was that part of the thing with copy is that it's not trying to sell what you've got. If people have clicked on it, they've got an interest. Yeah. What's stopping them is an objection. So if you. What I get everyone to do is before you write anything, make a list of 20 potential objections someone could have and then try and answer those in the copy. If well, it's a landing page, you might not be able to do all 20, but pick the top five and go through it and think, okay, when someone's read this, is there anything they'd still be unsure of? So if you're saying, you know, download or I don't know, get my book that takes you through this, this and this, have you said whether it's a digital or a physical book? 
if you said click here to register for your your free session, do they know if it's going to be a, a session over the phone, session in person? Are they tied into a time? What's going to happen? Just think about any reasons people might not take action and then try and address those. When I, when I first started out doing it, what I would do is I would try and put the sales page up written in front of the audience. So I, I, I'd get my wife to read anything that was written and aimed more at females. So I'd get her to read it and then ask her what she thinks, would it make her take action? She has no problem. Like um, She'll never lie to me. She has no problem telling me whether something's been good or not. Um, and then, and, it, and, it's, and, it's, and similarly, you know, putting it in front of people who, you know, you're asking for their honest opinion uh, and try not to take it personally. Sometimes I take it personally. But <laughs> especially when you spent so long and you think you've perfected it and then somebody goes, well, I wouldn't do that because then you think you bastard. But um, yeah. no, I think that's a really, that's a really good uh, tip, mate. I really, that awesome. I like that. Right in the, you know, once you've written your copy, write out all the objections you can think of that somebody's going to come with and then put them in there. So, because that's enough to, because the worst thing is what you do is um, we obviously get people, we're helping people with their Facebook and stuff. So you get, they go, I've got my ad, and they click through, um, but then didn't do anything. So you think, well, okay, is it the offer? But then when, you know, when somebody's doing a, a free week and you still don't get an option, you think, well, it's not the fucking offer. Um, <laughs> there'll be something in there that they just did not, they probably think, oh, it, it hasn't got the time. Because that's something else. You've got to check out people's sales pages. They've missed off the information. Didn't say when it was, where it was, what time it was, what was expected of them. So they click off. Because they're not going to fill out a form, wait for you to email them and go, hey, because they don't want to get into that conversation. Give them all the information. If you can give them all the objections there and then, you've got a higher chance of them clicking and doing what you, what it is you're asking them to do. If over fill in, give me your details, give me your number, whatever it is, you're more likely to get it. Yeah, you want two options. You want, if they're interested, they sign up. If they're not, they don't. You don't want the think about it option or the need to know more information, so come back later option. You want it to be... If people don't like it, that's absolutely fine. But anyone who's even on the fence about it, you should give them enough to make that decision whether it's for them or not. I, lo- I, I really, I really like that. It's good, and it's a good question from Luke as well, like asking about you know tips for higher conversions because I know I know personally that's something that Luke's struggled with. Gets gets the click throughs, gets gets high engagement, but then doesn't seem to get the follow up. And his offer is really good, so that's definitely going to help him out massively. So okay, mate, we're going to finish off with a couple, couple more, and that's it. So video over copy. It's what you feel you're most comfortable with. What's your best medium? For me, it's going to be written. I mean, I see the value in video for sure. And I think knowing how to do both to a degree. I mean, I used to hate video and avoid it. I realized it was a weakness, so I try and do a bit more of it now. I'm still going to go for written 19 times out of 20. But if you're doing video, just recognize that copy is still a part of it. You know, to be great on video, you have to have an element of uh, being able to talk emotively, persuasively, get your positioning across all of that. From From a conversion standpoint, again, it depends on your audience. But they both work. I mean, if you look at probably one of the best copywriting and direct response firms in the world, Agora, the way they do a lot of their stuff now, is they send people directly to a video, video sales letter, and they have an option underneath that says, prefer to read it, click it. If you click that, you go to the exact video script written out as a sales page and people can read through it. So even they give people two options because you just don't know what other people prefer. If it's one or the other and you have to make a choice, go for one you're more comfortable with. 
And I find as well when you're doing videos, well, this if it uh, keeping it short. Nobody wants to sit there and listen to you for six minutes waffle on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. And I always say to people as well, probably like, and I think the same with like copy. You know, if you give, if you tell people in the beginning what to expect, you know, you, you know what I mean? You, you, you don't want somebody spending five minutes and then go, well, I, I, so I always say is, in, in, you know, in this two minute video, I'm going to be going through or discussing this, 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 this. And then that, that makes that person like go, okay, I've got two minutes. Um, what yeah. you don't want is then they spent a minute, you haven't got to the point and they've clicked off and they've just missed. That, you know the punchline so i think i think um uh, i think you're right i think if you're comfortable with video do video um because people will soon know if it's just very plastic and it's not not real you um or writing okay mate one last question best way for something to learn copywriting read good pro <laughs> let me try it again read good copy so sign up to some people who are doing what you do but maybe like a level or two up so um you know look at the people you follow get on their email list look at their sales pages there's certainly a few bits from amazon that i recommend if you can get anything by gary halbert or dan kennedy you can pick up their kindle books or print books for like nine ten eleven quid yeah just get a couple read them cover to cover go back through make some notes or highlight the good stuff those couple of books, plus just you know, keeping your um, keeping up to date on what your competitors are doing, or the people who, like I said, are that one or two step up the ladder, that's going to stand you in good stead. And just practice as well. Um, the big thing is like you can read with anything. You can read all the theory you want. If you're not practicing it, it's going to be really difficult to get better at it. So just accept the fact that when you start, most stuff is probably going to be tumbleweed moment. You put it out there, whether it's Facebook, email, sales page, whatever, it's going to be hearing crickets when you do it. But the more you practice it, the more you refine it, the better it gets. And if you can afford it, work with a coach as well, like anything else. If you've got someone there who can critique your staff, give you feedback, make it personal, then you know a month or two with a decent coach can actually you know, put you like a year down the line if you were to do it yourself. I think uh, I think that's a, a real strong point there. I think I'm a I'm a massive fan of learning from those. If they're on the path, if they've already walked the path that you're about to walk, it makes a lot of sense to, you know, they're going to show you the, where the, where the potholes are, where the trips are, you know what I mean. So it's yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I just find it interesting that still in this day and age, mate, that people are so uh, negative about coaching or working with somebody, or you know, they think that they're going to get ripped off, scammed, burnt. And generally, they're not. It's just I think sometimes it's just a, a mixed match of personalities, bad choice, didn't do your research, like anything, you know. So, yeah, I'd agree with that, hundred percent. I think the reason we're, we're both where we are today, Mike, was because we've invested in working with other people, and we're not, you know, we, we're not afraid to spend money to get ahead. You know, what I mean to learn these things and to get ahead. And I think you know, spending money to make money makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's that, you know, looking at it as an investment rather than a cost. And actually, yeah, you don't want to go destitute to pay out for coaching. But if you're spending you know, a decent amount of your profits, provided you've still got the kind of life you want, I yeah. definitely always say that's a good thing. You know, spending now to make it back, like you said, tenfold, twentyfold, a hundredfold in future. Cool. I really appreciate your time today, Mike. No, no worries at all. And I enjoyed it, mate.
I know you're a busy guy, and um, and I know you'll be speaking at uh, BBS in February. So that'll be. I'm looking forward to that. It'll be good. Yeah, likewise. Should be uh, should be good fun, mate. Cool. So if people want to get in touch with you, mate, how can they get in touch with you? Honestly, easiest way is just add me on Facebook. To be honest, that's like super okay. unprofessional, but I don't bother with websites. I'm not going to send people to a landing page. Just connect with me, add me as a friend. If you like my stuff and want to know more, pop me a message. Awesome. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you very much for today. No worries. Cheers, Wayne. Have a have a really good uh, good week, mate, and uh, I'll catch up with you soon. Likewise. Cheers, mate. Hey, mate. Take care. You too.